Welcome to Paris and Bazcast, where we answer your property and finance-related questions. And here's this week's topic with your hosts, Gerdev and Anmol Singh. Back to another episode of Paris and Bazcast, where we bring to you new guest speakers to talk about topics that impact property management, sales and finance. And today it's also going to be covering topics that impact buyers in the Australian market. The topic of discussion today is buying a property as a non-Australian citizen and all the different visa classes and what exactly they allow you to do in terms when it comes to buying a property. We have joining with us today, Rustam Sandu from iVisa Point. Hello. Hello, Hello. everyone. How are you going? Good, good. Very good. Glad to be on board today. So I'm excited. And very excited to bring this topic, which has had a lot of um, conversation ever since we advertised it. A lot of questions have come about um, because it is basically those that are not citizen of Australia yet wanting to invest in the property, wanting to take advantage of what is happening with the property market and what their options are. So very good to talk about this. And we will have some insights on loans as well. Finance, how to get finance, (laughs) who can get finance. So feel free to ask any questions while we are live if there's anything that we can answer. More, more than happy to uh, um, uh, respond to you guys while we are live. So basically, to start off with, what exactly are the different types of um, buyer groups or the different visa groups that we can be talking about and how that impacts? So basically, purchase? when it comes to property investment, um, there's, there's three main visa groups. So one will be your permanent residents. So basically, permanent residents are treated the same as citizens, so they can buy property get loans without many restrictions at all. The second category you have are temporary residents um, and to be classified as a temporary resident for property purchase reasons, um, you have to have a temporary visa which which was valid for at least 12 months uh, from the date of grant. So it doesn't necessarily matter if you don't have 12 months remaining on the visa, but at the time the visa was granted, it should have been granted for at least 12 months. Um, So that's your second category. Um, And as part of temporary residence, those people that have applied for their permanent residency and uh, are not uh, yet permanent residents, they're classified on bridging visas. So those people that are on bridging visas waiting for their permanent visa to be granted, they would also be be, be classified as uh, temporary residents for property purchasing reasons. The third category you have um, are, are non-residents. So non-residents can be classified as those people on visitor visas um, or other types of temporary visas that are valid for less than 12 months, or it can be your foreign investors. So people that are offshore that are wanting to invest in Australia. Um, the latter two categories, so temporary residents and non-residents, they do have restrictions imposed on the types of properties they can purchase. In addition to that, they have additional surcharges and you know stamp duty, other things mm-hmm. they have to uh, pay to actually obtain property. So mm-hmm. realistically, they have a lot more hurdles um, before they can actually acquire any property. Mm-hmm. Um, so to give you an example of that, uh, for temporary residents, uh, if they wish to purchase an existing dwelling, they can only purchase one. And that existing dwelling must be used as a principal place of residence. Mm -hmm. So they can't just purchase an existing house and then rent it out. Okay. Mm -hmm. If they want to purchase an existing dwelling, they must live in that 
and later on say they want to move out of that property or uh, you know they pack up their bags they want to go back home that property must be sold within six months um, to avoid any additional problems Mm -hmm. Um, on top of that the main requirement is to satisfy uh, the Foreign Investment Review Board's requirements. Mm, so yeah. the Foreign Investment Review Board, otherwise known as FERB, they are the governing body when it comes to uh, you know overseas property investment. So yeah. they are the ones that decide you know what sort of restrictions are imposed, and uh, moreover, what sort of approvals are needed. Um, for you know temporary residents or non-residents to purchase property in Australia, mm. so that is, the, yeah. the, the the standard standard way to get around that is if you want to get a, approval to purchase a property in Australia, uh, firstly non-residents and temporary residents, you are required to have an approval before you can actually purchase property. In Australia. And just to add on to that, I know it's a very expensive exercise because some clients that have done it in the past um, need to have the right lawyers in place who have done it, mm-hmm. um, have the experience that can gain approvals to get the firm over the line. Mm-hmm. Because without that, you won't be able to purchase. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So so there's, there's two main ways to get approval, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're seeking approval to purchase a specific property, um, then something called a no objection notification should be applied for. Um, that uh, that approval will allow you to purchase that specific property that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, I mean, looking at the property market right now in Sydney, you don't know what's going to happen. You, mm-hmm. know, you may be outbid at an auction. You may not get the, you, know, you may not be settled. So yeah. for any reason that you, that specific property can't be acquired, um, you can in, you can also look at an exemption certificate. So an exemption certificate uh, essentially allows you to purchase a property in a specific state within a predetermined time frame. So generally that time frame is around 12 months and it, it does have limitations imposed on it as well. So say if you get an exemption certificate to purchase a property for 1 million, right, mm. then you go on auction and the property goes for 1.2, 1.3, you will not be approved to actually purchase that property. Wow, If it's it's above that 1 million. uh, So apply for more. And I'm sure there will be different thresholds of what can be, what the charges would be. And it's, look, it's not a very easy process. Mm. Um, So, you know, we do recommend get a trusted advisor to help you through that process. Mm. So timing is a key issue here, timing, because it could take time to get the approval as well in time. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Mm. Um, and is it specific to the particular property, the approval? Um, the so firm? the exemption certificate yep. allows you to purchase pretty much any, any residential property, property yep. um, within within 12 months in the designated state that you've requested that exemption okay. certificate from. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, now, another question we get asked is the impact of property developers. Right. Mm, so mm. property developers also have an impact on this because they can get um, a new dwelling exemption certificate for the development that they're proposing. Mm-hmm. So if they obtain that and, you know, as a temporary resident or a non-resident, you wish to purchase a new dwelling through them, mm-hmm. then you don't have to individually go through that 
approval process because okay. a property developer is kind of done it for you. For you, okay. Right. Right? So if you're a, uh, a temporary resident or a non-resident who mm-hmm. is going to buy a property that is being developed as a foreign investor, you don't have to apply it through to FIRB. Yes, I mean, obviously there's limitations and restrictions imposed. Mm. Um, one one general one is that the amount is up, is generally up to $3 million. Mm-hmm. But there are other restrictions imposed. Best to search the FERB's website. Yeah, yeah, for specific. Um, to get further mm. details about that. Um, one other thing I do want to mention. So for temporary residents, yes, they can buy an existing dwelling. Mm. And as I said before, they must use that as a principal place as of residence. residence. Yeah. Non-residents, however, are not allowed to purchase an existing dwelling. Mm. Right, mm-hmm. there is a there is a catch to that. Mm. Um, so essentially, the two exceptions to that rule are if a non-resident wishes to purchase an existing dwelling, they must purchase it for redevelopment purposes. Purposes. Mm-hmm. So essentially, they must uh, either add a new house or knock down, rebuild, add two houses on the property. Mm-hmm. But the the overall housing stock should increase the Australian mm-hmm. housing stock should increase yep. if they wish to purchase an existing dwelling mm-hmm. they obviously have to get approval for that as well and it is a challenging process mm. um, but when it comes to new dwellings or near new dwellings so mm. when, it, when I say near new development dwellings I mean you know a developers released uh, a bunch of lots or property and the settlement hasn't been completed. Um, the person or people that were residing in it have resided in it for less than 12 months. That's mm. classified as a new mm. dwelling. Yeah. Um, so new or near new dwellings can be purchased by temporary residents and non-residents. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is also additional requirements for that. <laughs> so for <laughs> example, easy. if you purchase land only, right, that land... You know, must be constructed on within four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you can't just buy and sit on it. Exactly. Yeah. So you Wait can't, for capital you can't just buy and sit on it. I've got a question as well. So does that mean foreign investors have to get the FIRB approval before they start looking for a property? That would be ideal. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Because mm. we do know that FIRB does normally take four to six, eight weeks sometimes for approval if yeah. being granted. So Okay. But that allows you for the next 12 months to to buy a property within the range that you're searching in. Yeah. So generally, generally 12 generally. months. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so those uh, those are the main things. Look, there, there's a lot of additional uh, things involved depending on which visa you have, the length of the visa, mm. or for foreign investors as well. Mm. Um, you know, for example, they have to pay an additional stamp duty surcharge. That's which... what I was going to come up with. So Belinda Chu one was uh, yeah. asking that question, what happens to stamp duty when you're buying it as a, a non-Australian citizen? So, I mean, it, this crosses over to the taxation side of things mm. as well. Yeah, so general. But as a general standpoint, it depends state by state, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, for example, New South Wales imposes an additional 8% um, Stamp duty on purchases on top of the standard. On top of the standard for Mm. non-residents, 
Um, but yeah, it really does depend um, state by state. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So there's individual advice, and I'm assuming the same would happen for capital gains for those that are buying as an investment property. Once again, they would have be, yeah, different. Yeah, um, that, that yeah. does come through too. Um, yeah. So which society. which actually brings us to a topic that's something that we need to get a yeah. a, uh, a professional to come and talk about yeah. as well because it is very interesting to yeah. know okay well how much more do you end up it, it makes sense like yeah. if you hear about like it is a touchy <laughs> topic about foreigners coming in to buy properties and taking it you know that uh, opportunity away yeah. from those that are here buying here yeah. but there's a lot of hurdles that they have to yeah. jump it's not, easy. it's not something that they can just come in and, and start That's uh, a fact. so there's more steps involved more expense involved but look there are people that can conquer all those hurdles and you know pay the fees they want to they want to pay mm. it, it comes out at the end of the day if it's worthwhile for them to invest or not exactly and you're buying street illustrated australia which is the most yeah. real estate in the world so <laughs> yeah even well, going I mean, through with, with sydney property prices these days I'd, I'd be surprised to see which temporary residents are actually you know purchasing property yeah <laughs> <laughs> not, not easy that's why a lot of it's saved for you know, permanent residents or citizens. We, yeah. we, to be to be honest, we really get many temporary residents actually interested in purchasing property because a lot of them are just struggling to survive mm. with, the, with the amount of expenses. Yeah, day-to-day uh, -day expenses. Exactly. Yeah. Now, in terms of um, there's there's a there was a question here before about, and I think it's a, a dispelling a myth. Um, what is the uh, can you buy a property to get permanent residency <laughs> there was a i think it's look it, it could be a genuine uh, thought process that someone yes. might have that hey if i if i actually you know invest in the country uh, the government might give me a permanent residency let's yeah. let's talk about that how does that look, work <laughs> to be honest we get asked this question a lot yeah if it was true then well, the property prices in Sydney would be even, even higher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so look, unfortunately, there's no mechanism to obtain permanent residency through purchasing property. Um, there's not even any mechanism to get temporary residence through purchasing property. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the benefits of purchasing property outside of, you know, capital gains or whatever you receive, mm. one of the benefits is depending on state by state, um, so for for like a 491 visa or 190 visa, which are state-nominated visas, sometimes a state will award you extra points or an extra benefit if you have property in that state. Um, so for example, if we look at uh, the Australian Capital Territory, mm. um, to be eligible for a points-based skilled migration visa there, um, one of the categories is whether you have uh, any property, residential property in uh, in Canberra, right? Mm -hmm. So if you do have any property, depending on the value of that property, you may be awarded additional points, which may assist you in getting that state nomination. Mm -hmm. But on an overall standpoint, purchasing property is not going to get you residency. Yeah. Um, there, there's another benefit as well. So for example, if you're a foreign investor, and you purchase property in Australia, um, you can use that 
as a means to obtain a visitor visa, obviously subject to approval and subject to the fact that you comply with all the other conditions of that visitor visa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes it does assist in uh, getting that visitor visa approval because you can say I have a genuine need to come to Australia and one of that genuine need is that, you know, I need to go and check Find up on my property. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, an overall standpoint, buying property will not get you a visa. So let's uh, let's bust that myth yeah. uh, forever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no shortcuts. There's exactly. no shortcuts. That's okay. Right. So basically, in a nutshell or as a, as a summary, a permanent resident has basically... Basically, the same rights rights as a citizen. Yeah, and it's only the temporary residents or non-residents that have restrictions placed, and it pays to uh, be, uh, you know, discussing this through a a professional like yourself, a migration agent, to be able to discuss your individual circumstances and what that allows you to do. We have a question. Do you get first-home grant on a 188 visa? On a 188 visa, if you're if you're the holder of a 188 visa, look to be honest with first home buyers grants. Um, once again, that doesn't really fall into the field of migration law. Um, I can definitely uh, assess that for you, uh, but probably better to speak to your uh, accountant. Yeah. If, if, if that's a non-resident visa, you will not qualify. I'm pretty sure mm. because because yeah. the 188 in itself. Is a temporary visa, yeah. right? To the permanent version of the 188 visa is the 888 visa, mm-hmm. right? So once you have a 888 visa, you're classified as a permanent resident. Mm. Yeah. So as a permanent resident, you may be qualifying for that grant, mm. uh, but as a temporary residence, I am not confident regarding that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, we can search that so, offline. Yeah. yeah, we're happy to get back to you, Dinkar, uh, Dinakar, and come back to you about that. Now, in terms of mortgages, let's just talk about yeah. what are the different visa classes <laughs> and how I'm sure it's a very varied yeah. topic as well because it's uh, case by case. Yeah. But what are the things that you've come across as who can get a loan yeah. um, if they're not Australian citizens? Yeah. So in terms of non-resident getting mortgages, it depends on the visa type, subclass, again, as well, is a spouse or single or married. Mm-hmm. Um, different lenders will provide different LVRs on on the mortgage. Um, interest rates are normally higher as well. And there's a lot of lenders out there that will not do it as well. So it all comes down to the visa type. Um, when does a visa expire in, in terms of getting lending? Mm-hmm. So there's not a concrete, straightforward answer. Mm-hmm. But it's, again, that. something worth discussing. But so yeah. if it's something that... Uh, you're wanting to have find out more about yeah. your specific um, requirements or your specific visa class, yeah. we're happy to be... So normally with right. each of the banks, we can check the uh, visa subclasses before lodging the deal. Mm. Yes, yeah, so um, every so we bank can, we has... We can check a... straight away, do you even qualify? And if you do qualify, what is the LVR? What's the maximum you can borrow? And s- some postcodes or some suburbs are even ruled out for some visa subclasses as well. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking previously about um, sort of the major investments, so sort of like the 5 million investments. What what are they, the larger investors? What are the implications? So another common question we get from uh, high net worth individuals is, you know, I've got X amount in the bank. Can I get a, a visa to Australia, right? Mm-hmm. So... The short answer to that is not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, in, 
it, it really depends on your individual circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. So in terms of business and investor visas, um, there's three main streams. So the business innovation stream, the um, investor stream, and the significant investor stream. Mm -hmm. So the business innovation and investor stream, they are both points-based visas, mm -hmm. right? So in terms of satisfying the points requirements, it's made up of, you know, your English, your age, um, the net business assets that you have, the turnover, turnover of your business, mm -hmm. um, and in differentiating those two visas, the investor visa also requires an additional $1.5 million investment mm -hmm. um, in designated uh, investment Aries. vehicles, mm -hmm. right? Um, so those two require you to be nominated by a state, mm -hmm. okay? Um, you need to have at least 65 points, um, and essentially, if you're invited, mm -hmm then you apply for the visa. So it's not something that you say, okay, look, you know, I've I'm got what I need, I'm just going to apply for the visa, right? Yeah. It's invitation-based. Mm -hmm. so, so someone from here, from Australia, would have to invite? The, pretty much the government has the to government. invite you. Yeah. Um, each state has their own nomination criteria. So mm -hmm. depending on which state um, you wish to apply for, you have to assess what their nomination criteria is. Mm -hmm. um, Essentially, if you if you satisfy the criteria, you're invited. Mm -hmm. At the time of invitation, you are proving to the government that yes, I've claimed X, Y, Z, and I have evidence of that. Mm -hmm. And once your claims match your evidence, that's when you actually get the visa. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those th that's the business innovation and the investor stream. Mm -hmm. The significant investor stream that's also based on state nomination. Mm -hmm. However. You're investing five million dollars, mm -hmm. right? So because you're investing such a large chunk, mm -hmm. they waive the points requirement for you. So okay. you don't have to satisfy any points requirement. Mm -hmm. But that five million dollars investment, you know, firstly you got to show that all that money is clean. Uh, you know, you, you white money exactly <laughs> white money, clean money. Way so you have to show all that money is clean and moreover. Yeah. That money needs to be invested into, you know, designated uh, investment vehicles. So, for example, five hundred thousand dollars in uh, venture capital and growth prep private equity funds. Mm. Um, you know, one point five million dollars in approved managed funds, mm. um, and you know, a balancing investment of at least three million dollars in other managed funds. Mm. Um, the main question that people have is. Can I just buy a $5 million property yeah, exactly. and, and, yeah. and get that visa? The answer to that is no. Okay. Um, so it's important to note that direct investment into residential real estate is prohibited. Okay. However, you can indirectly get around that. So mm. if you invest into a managed fund that is predominantly made up of property or whatever it is, mm. you can invest indirectly, mm. but you can't just you buy, buy a property. You know, mm. residential real estate worth $5 million and, and qualify for that visa. Mm. Okay, there you go. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Very insightful. I'm sure we'll have a lot of other questions uh, answered afterwards as well, once this video is seen by a lot more people as well. So do feel free to comment um, below. We'll be happy to come back to you 
on those um, responses. I'll be tagging, um, uh, I think he's already tagged, so you'll be able to contact directly from iVisa Point uh, about anything else that you would like to discuss in detail. So thank you very much thank for you. your time. Thank you very much, guys. And just before we yeah. close on that note, I just want to give a disclaimer that any advice or any information mentioned here is general advice. Yeah. Um, please do not go and make decisions based on this advice. Yeah. Yeah. If you do wish to make any decisions regarding uh, immigration, regarding property investment or anything like that, please seek uh, a certified professional in that specific field before making that decision. There you yep, go. 100%. Very important. Very important. And uh, do join us next week as well. We'll be uh, talking to two guest speakers, um, an accountant and a um, another individual about um, buying a property through super. So through your superannuation fund, it's a question we get asked all the time. How do you actually buy a property through super? We will be answering that for you next week, 3 o'clock Thursday. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you, guys. See you, guys. Take care. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel for weekly episodes. See you guys next time.